You're listening to Do What You Want Radio, a podcast series for creative entrepreneurs, freelancers, and those ready to learn how to do what they want. I'm your host, Jordan Heffler. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Do What You Want Radio. I have a very exciting guest today on Skype. His name is Peter Ekkies, and he is a productivity coach. So, hey, Peter. Hey, Jordan. Thank you for having me. No, thanks for coming on. Um, Why don't you tell everybody a little bit what you do and where you live and that whole spiel? Yeah. So, first of all, I'm joining you from Amsterdam. I don't know if you've ever had anybody from Amsterdam on your show before. I have not. It's a fairly new show, but even still, I don't plan on having anyone else from Amsterdam, so that's exciting. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. I feel special already. Um, Yeah, so I'm a productivity coach, and I work with various groups of people, and one of these groups is creators, and mostly online creators. So whether that is people who are bloggers, podcasters, or artists, um, anybody who does any creating uh, online. And uh, yeah, I essentially uh, coach them up and make sure that they not only do something that they like, but that they can also make a living from it, which is important too. Yeah, so what all does that entail, like when you have a client... Like, what are the types of things that they are struggling with that they need help from you for? Yeah, so a lot of people struggle with imposter syndrome, right? People, yes. um, you know, they, they think this is not good enough, what I'm creating, right? Uh, and especially people who spend a lot of time on Instagram, they they, uh, they see all these super polished Instagram accounts, right? Or they're, they're reading other people's blogs and, you know, like Seth Godin's blog, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's amazing. It's got like a six million followers or whatever, right? Um, and people feel that it is very difficult to to add something unique. So uh, a lot of the stuff is actually mindset work rather than specifically saying like, okay, you're going to get up at like nine in the morning and do this, right? right. <laughs> so it's more it's more mental. So how did you get started in doing this? Yeah, so my background actually is as a corporate consultant, um, very different. Um, and I, uh, I studied economics, and once I got out of college, I got into this thing called economic consulting, also known as litigation consulting, ah. which, uh, is, yeah, is essentially, um, you know, in the U.S., big companies like to sue each other. So <laughs> oftentimes when there's big litigation, consulting companies get hired, and uh, what they do is they essentially do data analysis. They run numbers, or they'll, uh, they'll look at sort of the history of any conflict there is, look at the documents and see who's at fault and how much damages should be paid. Um, and so I did that for a couple of years, and I ended up picking up a lot of project management skills while I was doing that because I was working on really high-level litigation and eventually ended up managing teams as well. Um, but, you know, it didn't really make me feel warm and fuzzy inside to be... <laughs> it doesn't sound uh, helping... like a warm and fuzzy career. <laughs> no, no, no. To help really big companies save money is not exactly what, you know, what I... <laughs> if you asked, like, little Peter, okay, what do you want to do when you grow up? That, that would not have been the answer. Um, and so eventually I realized this is not for me. I've got to go do something else. And... I, I did have a very helpful set of skills of, you know, helping other people work productively. So what I did is I, I took those skills and essentially applied them to a different group of people. And that's the creator people now. Um, of course, this sounds very smooth, but the transition wasn't necessarily that smooth. <laughs> well, what were some of the obstacles that you faced trying to transition? So actually what happened to me is I totally burned out. Um, because uh, this is not unusual in the uh, corporate consulting sphere, obviously. Um, A lot of corporate consultants work too much, and um, standards are very high, so all the work that you've got to deliver has to be, you know, perfect or close to perfect. So there's a lot of pressure. Um, And I noticed that I was dealing with a lot of both sort of physical and mental problems. So I said, look, i got to take a break from work for a while, and I did. Um, And it ended up being like a two-year break from work, so not like a very short break from work. and as I recovered from that, I said, look, uh, what, what, you know, how can I use my existing skills to help people in a way that feels better for me and also just um, has me directly having a positive impact on people's lives as opposed to often when you're working for like a multi-billion dollar company and you save them some money, it's like you get an email. It's like, hey, uh, the boss guy over at the client says they're very happy with this project. It's like, okay, great, you know, but like when done. now... Yeah, or maybe they'll be like, okay, they, you know, they settled the litigation. Okay, great. Now my my all the analysis I did isn't even going to get used. Days mm. when I work with a client, I can see one on one them making progress over time and having positive changes in their life. So it's it's really a win win for me and also for the people that I work with. What is like one of the examples of like a really contrasted before and after you've seen with one of your clients? Maybe if that makes yeah. Sense. So yeah, yeah. So. Um, You'll get clients sometimes who, um, 
they are sort of just entering the uh, the, the work world, you know, maybe like just getting out of college or, you know, and they're thinking like, what do I want to do? And the natural thing to do is to go take a corporate job or, or some job anyway, because that's what most people do when they graduate. Um, but you'll, you'll get people saying, look, I, I really don't want to have a job. I just don't know what else I would do. And um, I really enjoy working with someone like that and showing them that actually starting your own business is totally viable when you're just graduating, even if you don't have a ton of money, right? And especially if you want to do something like help other people, maybe you already have some skills. I'm not sure how you started your photography, for example, but there's a ton of people that, that build up photography skills in college and they can absolutely become a freelance photographer right away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I'm, it was something that I never thought I'd be doing full-time for myself. It's kind of funny. Like, my dad has his own business, and my mom has, is a teacher, but she had some side hustles for a while, and it just never occurred to me that I might fall into that, too. I was always, like, in the mindset, like, I'm going to graduate and go work for, like, Vogue or, like, a big company or do something oh, for, right. like, photography for someone or even just anything creative because I was interested in, like, graphic design and fashion design and all these other things, too. But it wasn't until after I worked for another photographer where I kind of saw, like, okay, there's plenty of people, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Like, everyone needs photography. This is, like, totally something that you could do, even in an already oversaturated industry. But I never thought I would own my own business, and it kind of happened, like, two, no, like, two or three years after I graduated college. I was already doing all these things on the side. I just didn't have the confidence to do it full-time. So um, it's kind of crazy, but I know people who graduated from college and immediately stepped into it and have never worked for anyone else, and they're doing everything very successfully. So... Um, I think it depends on the person and, like you said, the mindset. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, it is nice to see, right, the examples of people doing that right away because I think a lot of people also have this idea that, yeah, you can be an independent, you know, an, an entrepreneur, right, or a freelancer. But first you've got to go work for the man for a while and, and make, make some money and, you know, build up some savings before you can, like, take that plunge. So it's not true. Um and often people sort of come up with more and more reasons not to make the jump, right? They'll they'll say, oh, I'm going to save up money for like a year and then I'll do that. And then a year later, they're like, I just want to save up a little bit of more money. And, and nobody ever gets started. And, and, the, and the reason for that is that there's mindset problems, right? It's not that people are lacking the skills. It's not that people taking, you know, in your case, are taking like terrible pictures or something. No, probably people are already taking great pictures. Um, it's just that they, they need a little help getting into the getting into the mindset and, and you know, not to sabotage themselves, basically. Yeah, and to be completely transparent, I had nothing saved when I made the jump, and I still have nothing saved, to be pretty honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the, the vicious cycle of working for yourself sometimes because all your bank accounts are blurry when it's just your business is you and everything. But, no, I, I mean, that's a viable thing. People think that they have to, like, have it, – it's always safe to have, like, six months of living expenses saved up before you do anything. Well, I don't even think I've ever had six months of living expenses saved up ever so at one point yeah. at one point in time and so that's not a good example but i'm just saying like you can make the jump and you just kind of have to have like the mindset and the the confidence that people will support you if you're already doing it yeah exactly and so one of the things i notice is that people are it's just like what you're saying just now right there, for example in photography there's a lot of photographers out there already and so people will say i mean i had a client tell me this like a couple of weeks ago he's like i don't know if i want to do fitness coaching there's so many fitness coaches out there already will anybody ever pay me to coach them in fitness and i'm like wait a second that doesn't make any sense you're just there's obviously tons of fitness coaches out there that are getting paid and, and a lot of them are getting paid very well for what they do so like clearly there's a demand for this so you got a totally totally wrong way around yeah someone actually was asking me the other day or not asking me but kind of like venting to me about how she wanted to get into photography but it's just there's so many people and like what's the point and I was like do you know how many like Italian restaurants there are or like how many rock bands there are and it's still going to be someone's favorite restaurant or someone's favorite rock band and like you could be that person's favorite whatever and so there's plenty of room Um, and I think yes it's saturated but like everything is saturated unless you're like very specialized in what you do like everything's going to be saturated there's so many hamburger restaurants and there's so many like you know like fitness coaches, it doesn't really make sense to say you're not going to do it because there's so many because you will still have clients. Yeah, no, and I mean, obviously, there is something to be said for specializing, though, right? I mean, you know, there's wedding photographers, right? Mm-hmm. There are people, you know, I, I've met people before who are, who are like, yeah, I do headshots for people to put on social media, you know, like for your like your LinkedIn profile photo. And it's like the main thing they do. Or uh, actually, my favorite example was people who uh, will take photos of you for you to put on Tinder. So if you're if you're I've on Tinder and you feel like your profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. So, I mean, clearly, this is a niche and clearly a lot of people have terrible photos on Tinder, right? So, oh, so they're like, always if holding you, fish. 
It's always a dude holding a fish. That's like, <laughs> the big thing around here. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, so, yeah, I think specializing is not an unwise decision, but just because there's too many of something doesn't mean you should not try, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so that's that's one of the things that I often end up teaching people is um, just getting started rather rather than waiting until they feel that they are good enough or now you know they have something that other people don't. It's like just get started with whatever you have. There's what seven billion people on the planet right now, right? And, and people, um, you know, like I said, I, I work with people in very one of the blogging. So someone's like, oh, I really want to start a blog, you know, where I share vegan recipes. And it's like, okay, that's very, very cool. But they're like, yeah, but there's already so many blogs out there on vegan recipes. Like, how will I ever turn that into a business? And I'm like, well, there's 7 billion people on the planet. I don't think all of them are already reading all of the existing vegan recipe blogs, right? Some, so some of those people could read yours. And, and also I'm learning too that because people like you and like me, we're in this like solopreneur because I had this whole issue. I, I released online workshops a year ago on like how to do like personal branding and like iPhone photography and whatever. And it took me forever to kind of like launch it because I was like, there's so many other workshops out there, whatever. And people like you and me are surrounded by that all the time because that's like the bubble yeah. that we live in. But my mom and her friend don't know anything about Marie Forleo or like, or, right. and, or Gary Vaynerchuk. Like they don't know who that is, but like I do because that's like what I'm being hit with all the time because that's the content I'm consuming. But I could be that to them because they don't know, you know what I mean? So it's it's never like who you think is popular isn't always popular to everybody and it might be popular to you or you might feel like it's saturated because you're in it, but like the person, you know, that six degrees of separation, like everyone around you might not know anything about it. So you can still be that yeah. person to teach them. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah, exactly what, what I was thinking of. And it also, you know, everybody has a different style. So Marie Forleo teaches her things in one way. And if you, you know, if you want to go ahead and teach people the same things, you can just teach it in a different way. It's totally fine. Like some people will resonate with you more than with someone else. Um, so yeah, so this is, this is really, I, I feel like we've, we've busted this myth now. Yeah, <laughs> right? for sure. For sure. Yeah. So do you get to travel for your work? Like, I'm very curious, like, do, are you meeting with these people in person or do you just do Skype inter Skype conversations with everybody all over the world? Yeah, no, I, I meet with people over Skype or That's Zoom cool. or something like that, which is which is one of the reasons I got into it, um, because it does give me a lot of flexibility. So, for example, I'm a big fan of scuba diving. So if I want to go scuba diving for a week and a half, I can do that, you know, and it's got to make sure that either I have good Internet there, you know, or I schedule my calls around it. Um but because because it's like a location independent business, and right. that's one of the things when I was thinking like, what kind of business do I want to have? Um, it's one of the criteria that I used, and and um, it's one reason why I would recommend coaching to a lot of people actually. Yeah, I think the internet and social media has like empowered so many professions to be able to work remotely, and it's I mean a lot of what I do photography wise like is in town because that's the word of mouth marketing and there's lots of stuff yeah. in town for me to shoot but it doesn't mean that like I couldn't like make online workshops for someone in Egypt to buy or you know do a Skype call with you and you're in Amsterdam for the podcast which I think is so cool and it's I think empowering to see people who are doing things full-time literally from like their laptop and like an internet connection yeah, and it also helps you sort of create multiple revenue streams, right? Mm -hmm. So let's let's say you're a photographer and you specialize in wedding photography and you've already shot like 200 weddings or something like that. Then you can go and, and make an online course where you're like, I will teach you how to shoot photos at weddings. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's fun just for variety's sake. You know, it's also a way to sort of like broaden the people that you can help and, and also the people obviously that you yeah. can, you know, you value to so that will pay you. Um, yeah, so there's, I don't know, I, I think this, this whole sort of online learning space, online coaching, all of those things, very positive. Um, and it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can totally mix that, um, with some more like local, like ground-based work. Mm -hmm. So because you can structure your whole life remotely, how do you stay disciplined and productive with what you do? Yeah, that is, that is a very good question. And, um, this is actually interesting because, it's one of the biggest challenges for people who are starting their own business or like freelance or whatever, right? 
people who sort of don't have to show up at an office or factory or whatever anymore and they're like doing their own thing but people don't usually ask about this ahead of time people think they're going to have all sorts of problems but a lot of people don't realize you know that it's going to be difficult or that it can be difficult to work from home um people will be like how how do i stay focused in the office but but nobody comes and asks like how am i going to be productive at home but of course often you know if you have a lot of work and you're sitting at home by yourself all day that's not necessarily the absolute best environment for you to be motivated in Mm -hmm. so I tend to recommend people mix it up a little bit to go sit at a co-working space one day a week or go work from your favorite cafe or whatever, right? Mix it up a little bit, be around people sometimes, have a nice mix of alone time that you can focus. Um, or, or even like if you go sit in a cafe and you put your earphones in and, and you can like focus that way, just get in the zone, right? Um, so I think it's a lot about where you are. Um, it's partly also just about, you know, cutting out distractions. Like in the, if you're working in an office, you might not want to be on Facebook the whole time because your boss might walk by and be like, uh, what are you doing on Facebook? <laughs> but so, you know, to develop that discipline yourself, uh, I always recommend people turn on do not disturb on every single device, you know, as you're working. Just like don't let notifications hit you all the time unless you're like, you know, you promise someone that you pick up the phone right away. But try to limit that right. as much as possible. Um and uh, yeah, there's there's so many things you can do to work productively from home. And part of the thing is just experimenting with different things. Don't just keep doing something that doesn't work. If if you're you know sitting at one particular desk at home and you have trouble focusing, try sitting at a different place in your home. Mm-hmm. You know, like, try stuff. It's crazy how much your environment can inspire or not inspire you. At least for me as a visual creative person, I'm happy working at home because I like my home. Like I've decorated it the way yeah. I want it. I feel happy here. Um, if I go work at a coffee shop that's like the hustle and bustle, I like that too. But not every coffee shop I like working in because of the surroundings yeah. or the, the colors of the wall or like the type of people there. So it's interesting how much that can really affect your productivity based on like your environment, I think. Yeah, for sure. That's funny that you mentioned because I think I mentioned I'm colorblind, so that's something that doesn't doesn't affect me personally, oh, but I, totally I can, I can totally see that, that mattering. Yes, yeah, so in your email to me, you said something about like how my work was colorful, but that you were colorblind. Like, so I'm, this is unrelated to everything, but I am so intrigued by how that works. So how does that work? Like, what do you see? So with the, with the caveat that I'm not a scientist, um, <laughs> I, I essentially do not see red very well. Oh. Um, so you can just imagine the whole world uh, with less red in it. That's that's not exactly what goes on, but that's mostly what goes on. So for example, I once went to, the, uh, to an Apple store with a friend of mine, and uh, he was wearing a blue shirt. And um, you know how all the all the people who work at in an Apple store are wearing the same color shirt? I think it's different colors like at every store, but um, uh, they were all wearing purple shirts. And so I'm like, yo, dude, this is so cool. Like you're wearing the same shirt as all these people. And he's like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, what? And he's like, no, no they're wearing like, purple shirts. They're not wearing a blue shirt. But me, blue and purple look the same because the difference between blue and purple is basically red, right? And so I can't see that. Oh, um, so it's not yeah. even just red by itself. It's red, whatever red is mixed in. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, if something is red, I'll see it. It'll just be le- less vivid. It's just like the entire world. So you can just sort of t- tone down the red a little bit. So often, like between blue and pink, I also have a very difficult time distinguishing between like a light blue and a pink. Um, you would have trouble at a gender I... reveal party. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. So actually, the Netherlands is very common um, when someone has a has I, I think it's like, yeah, when you have a baby, you'll you'll take these little crackers. Um, your, your kids will often take them to school, your existing kids, if they get like a little brother or sister. And then they'll put like anise flavored. Um, we, we call them mice, but it's it's basically like a little, you know, bread, like topping or something. Mm-hmm. And if it's a boy, it's blue. And if it's a girl, it's pink. And so I like I just cannot tell this. So I'm like, uh, congratulations with your kid. <laughs> you know, because so like, crazy. yeah, that would change what I do for a living so much just based on like editing photos and color correcting things. And that's really insane. Yeah. But that's really interesting. Um, how did you, this, I mean, we're on a tangent now, but how did you, the hold were you when you realized that that was a thing? So they don't do this anymore, but when I was a kid in Dutch uh, primary schools, they would teach every kid for this. There's these things called Ishihara tests. I don't know if you've seen them. It's like they show you like circles made up of dots, um, and each dot has a different color or a different shade of a color. Okay, yeah. And then they ask you, do you see any numbers in here? And so like a person with normal color vision might see the number three, and I might see nothing or the number seven or whatever, right? And that's how they sort of determine this. But you know, actually before that, it was pretty obvious because I was very bad at coloring as a kid also. So. Okay. Interesting. I, I knew a guy that had colorblind issues too. I don't know specifically which colors he did or did not see, but I remember it was an issue when he would get dressed because like nothing would ever, like it'd be the weirdest outfits. 
Yeah, I mean, for that, I just, you know, I when I buy something, I make sure I know what color it is, and I just read up on, like, which things generally combine well, so I think I generally do okay. Yeah, I, you well, know, you look I nice also today, probably so. get comments. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Well, okay, sorry to get on that tangent, but that's super interesting to me. No, that was fun. Um, so do you seek out your clients, or are they seeking out you? Or both? So, uh, yeah, so, so um, one of the things I've been doing is – I've actually been blogging every single day for almost a year now. Um, and when I say blogging, there's always a little asterisk there, which is some days I create a video instead of doing a blog post. But let's just say I create a piece of content every day, and I've done that for almost a year now. Um, and that's my primary form of marketing. So actually what happened is that people started noticing this because I started doing this in April of 2018, and we're talking in February of 2019 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm closing in on the one year, which I'm very excited about. So, and uh, people were like, "How do you manage to create like a piece of content every single day? You know, like, how do you do this?" Um, and then I started teaching people how to do that, and that's sort of how um, I got into doing the productivity coaching specifically for creators, because it's especially people who are creators of some kind and who were like, "You know what? This is this would be great if I could." put out blog posts this often that would really expand my audience, build my business. And so I essentially started teaching people like, how do I do that? That is very ambitious, but admirable, (laughs) I think. But I did read on your website, I I, I get what you're saying, where it's like it's easier to do it every day than once every three months or something. Because it's like you have to, it's like a well-oiled machine. You have to like get in the habit. And once you're in the habit, it's easy to crank these things out like every single day. But once you stop, it's like you have to get up back on the wagon, and it can be difficult. Yeah, so... Um, the first time I ever heard about this idea of doing something every day was I think Jerry Seinfeld and he essentially said that when he started writing jokes he had this big um, I don't know it was like a whiteboard or something on his wall and there would be like a, a box for every day it was like basically like a calendar and every day that he would write a joke or something like that he would put a big X sort of on that day and then you know before long you had like 20 X's in a row and like 20 days in a row and you just like didn't want to break the chain of X's yeah. right and so that's that's how I started thinking about this um yeah, and, and a lot of people will, their first reaction is like, how on earth do you manage to do this? Like, how do you come up with stuff to write about or to say in your video? And, um, you know, how do you make the time? But actually, this is exactly like you're saying. The more often you do it, the easier it becomes. So when I used to blog two days a week, I would blog on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then it'd be Monday and it'd be like, no, tomorrow's a Tuesday. No, I've got to write a blog post. And like, I really wasn't looking forward to it. And it became such a big deal, too, because, like, well, I only do this two times a week. Like, they better be good blog posts, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas now, because I write every day, it's like, okay, like, if today's blog post is not very good, whatever. Like, I've written, like, a couple hundred in the past year already. You definitely also train your mind to notice topics that you can, you know, make a blog post or video or whatever about. Or in your case, it could be, like, a, a photo. Yeah, well, and that's interesting because I, I don't remember if I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I've talked about it to friends and stuff, but I, I've done the same with Instagram. I've posted at least once every day, every day for like almost four years now or three something, three and a half, oh, I don't know. Oh, very cool. But it's only because I started, when I graduated from college, I was like, now what do I do? I have no like assignments. I don't know what, to, uh-huh. and if you don't have cl- in the business world, if your client is like an assignment, you know, like I need to take photos of you because you're paying me. But as far as like yeah. everything else, I didn't have like any, it was like, it's like the empty canvas syndrome where you're like, I'm overwhelmed with all the things I could do. I need, like right. a, I need like a task. And so someone had invited me to a Facebook group that was like selfie challenge, post a self portrait every day. That's not a selfie for 30 days or something. So you'd have like p- take pictures of things that like represented you without it being like an actual photo of you on Instagram. Uh-huh. And so just the fact that you put like one out of 30 and two. And so you, people would see if you missed a day, cause in your caption, you're putting the day and, and for right. whatever reason, that public pressure of like, I don't even know if anyone cares, but I don't want to like cheat cause then people will know or miss a day. So I did that and it turned into like, well, Hey, this is like an assignment every day for my, me to like find something to take a picture of. Like, it's like a miniature task for me. It's fun. It's like a personal project. It doesn't have to be anything major, not the best photo I've ever taken in my life, but it can just be a color study or it could be a picture of a bathroom or it could be like a picture of like my feet somewhere or whatever. And so it turned into this thing where I was like, I don't want to break the chain. And so now it's been like a couple of years and I don't know, I've lost count and I've gone back and deleted photos. So it might not look like it's every day, but I've put something on the internet every day on Instagram, at least. Uh, and people are always like, how do you find so much stuff to take pictures of? I'm like, how do you not? Like, the world is, like, infinitely, like, inspirational. And there's so many things you could take a picture of or say or do a blog post on. 
Yeah, well, that's so cool that you've been doing this for years already. That's that's totally, yeah, that, well, and that you've been doing it for so long. Well, a picture on Instagram is not near as daunting as, like, you doing, like, a blog post or a video, though. So props well. to you because the <laughs> blogging thing is difficult to keep up with for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think, you know, it's um, – for me, like, I'm not planning on doing this forever either, right? Mm. Like, for me, it was just – at first, it was a challenge to myself. Like, can I do this for a year? Um and it doesn't mean that now for the rest of my life I have to create a piece of content every day. Because to be honest, like, you know, I'm closing in on a year now. Like, it's been pretty good. I feel like I got over all my mental stuff yeah. of, like, you know, that, that was holding me back and how I was sabotaging myself. Like, I've, I've learned how to get over those things. So, actually, for me, I, I'd be pretty excited at some point to start my own podcast, you know? So, like, yeah. that's obviously not something where you can do one episode a day unless you're doing, like, five-minute episodes. So, yeah. so it's probably going to be a, 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 a cadence that's, you know, uh, less frequent. Um, but it's so good to create stuff every day um, to find your voice, right mm-hmm. to learn to put something out there even if it's not perfect right um and to just get practice yeah i i recently gave a talk on branding um at a local it's called pech kucha night it's like a japanese thing where it's like everyone gives a presentation and the presentations can only be 20 slides 20 seconds per slide and it can be about anything you want mm. And so they have them all over the world, but they have a local Baton Rouge chapter and I got to speak. And so when they asked me to do it, I was like, well, I'll probably just give like a version of my online branding workshop because I already have slides made. I can just pare it down and make it like a short thing. And I was speaking at that and it's hard to put 20 seconds per slide and make it fast and and Uh impactful. But um, I was talking about, you know, branding and how like you won't know, like you, people won't know what you're good at or like how my, so you can't find the common threads of your work if you're not making work, essentially. Yeah. So, like, if you're trying to have a style or a personal brand or you want people to know you for something, they're not going to know you for something if you don't ever make anything. Right. And so you have to be making enough work to be able to go back and find the common threads to even figure out what your brand is. But if you're never doing anything, then you're really not going to know. So all these people are overwhelmed with, like, what's my brand? What's my style? Who are my clients? What's my target audience? And it's like, well, if you only do one thing a month like you're never going to find out it's like almost like you have to do something every day to really hone in on that and figure out what you like or don't like or else you'll be paralyzed by like (laughs) being overwhelmed yeah but it's it's partly also an existential thing so that's a lot a lot of people will tell me whether um whether i'm coaching them or whether they've joined my creator challenge which maybe we'll talk about in a bit yeah um it's people tell me that well you know, I, I want to be more clear first on, you know, like you're saying, like what my brand is or what my angle is or this. And I have to tell them, like, it doesn't work that way. Trust me, I used to think that, too. I would be sitting there with my mind map, right, you know, with my legal pad, like making a mind map of like, oh, what are all the things that I'm good at? So how am I going to brand myself and whatever? But the thing is, like, you don't know. You have ideas in your head about, like, what should be a perfect brand for you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but those things may not pan out in reality at all. So the way you discover this is by doing. So exactly. so doing rather than thinking will lead to clarity. And it took me so long to internalize this. And so like I really I empathize now when I see other people struggle with this because like I, I know it's not easy to, to understand this and to internalize it. But you just that that's why I'm teaching people now to just start creating stuff, even if it's not perfect, even if even if it's on like 10 different topics or 10 different styles or whatever, doesn't matter. Start doing stuff. And by doing you will. Like, you'll know after you make a video whether you enjoyed the process of making a video today, right? Exactly. You might have to do 10, 10 videos to get a good sense of whether video is, as a format is, like, good for you. You know, not, not like, one. It might have to be, like, like, 10. But, like, the more you do it, the more clarity you have. That's so true. And, I mean, I think that's why it takes some of us, like me, my workshops, or even the podcast. I bought this mic, like, last summer. I just didn't – and I wanted to make a podcast a year ago and just never did anything until, like, this past January. But – um you're paralyzed with this, like everything, whatever I do has to be perfect. And whatever I do is going to be the permanent thing. And I'm afraid to like say this because I don't want to commit to that. And you don't know. And you have to be comfortable with the fact that you're going to evolve and change your branding or your, your ideas or whatever. And people are going to have to like, just be along for the ride with that. Like, like for me, I did a lot of, I was talking about senior portraits. I did a ton of senior portraits right out of college. I didn't want to be known for that. So I kind of had to just stop doing it, but I wouldn't have known had I not done like bajillion senior portraits you know and so then you just have to have confidence in the fact that your supporters and your your clients like they'll they'll stick with you and like as you pivot and figure it out 
Um, and then you'll get new clients in the process, but you're never going to know. And whatever you put out the first day is not going to be, hopefully, the permanent thing that you do forever because it's not going to be any good because you're going to get better as you do it, for sure. Yeah, I know. And that's why I said it's an existential point for many people, right? They think, mm-hmm. well, if I brand myself as a as a senior photo, uh, what, what did you call it? Senior portrait photographer. Yeah, exactly, yes. Um, yeah. Oh, I guess I'm going to have to be doing that forever then. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not they're not like consciously thinking this, but they're subconsciously thinking this. But right? they're like, I don't want to be like, you know, doing that for the rest of my life. Well, you don't have to. You just got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can totally pivot as many times as you like. Uh, yeah, it would maybe be ideal if you immediately got to the final destination, but it's not possible. So like people are going to have people will come along for the ride anyway. Um, and also like you're just going to get better over time too. So my my favorite example when people say stuff like yeah there's already so much good stuff so many good you know people out there that are much better at whatever than I am, you know. Uh, why would I start like, you know, in your case it's like why would I start a podcast, right? Because a lot of people are like there's there's so many good podcasts out there now like what do I have to add? And I always like to point them to this guy called uh, Marquis Brownlee. He's known as MKBHD on YouTube and he has I don't know if it's like the most popular sort of tech gear channel but like he'll like review new iphones new android phones whatever new tablets he like goes to all the big technology events and you know it's like oh apple put out a new macbook first impressions of this new macbook you know and he does this and he'll get like personal invitation like he did like a segment with elon musk um you know like he'll get invited to really high profile stuff but if you go look at how he started out with his youtube channel which now has like millions of followers he was just this like teenage kid sitting in his bedroom and he was like all right i bought a new mouse uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this mouse. And, like, of course, the video is grainy because this is, like, yeah. super long ago. And you can, like, barely see him, you know. And he's, like, it's not polished. And these days, this video is super polished. He has a whole team working on it. But so what I'd like to recommend to people is go look at someone you respect and who looks like they have all their shit together right now. Then go look at their earliest work. Uh-huh. And you'll be not to, like, laugh at their earliest work, but to be, like, amazed by the progress that they made well, going from the beginning to, to where they are now. The relatability to be, like, oh, okay, so they also sucked at one point. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I do that all the time. I'm really creepy about that. I love to stalk people to the very beginning. And sometimes it takes a long time to scroll, but I'm always very curious. But that's exactly the same. And and I kind of was paralyzed with the fear of like this podcast, like, oh, I'm going to need the best mic. I'm going to need a separate mic for every person I interview. I'm going to need the best quality equipment. And so that's why I just never started because I was like, I don't know. I don't have a studio. Can I do it in my house? Like, what if people have to come over? My house isn't clean. And then I just started it. And I was like, oh, this doesn't sound too bad. Like if so, if someone's mowing the lawn outside my window, like who cares people can still hear and eventually maybe i'll have better equipment but for now like why hold back all this content and knowledge from people that i could be sharing just because like someone might be like mowing the lawn outside and my mic might pick it up you know yeah and it's it's like what, what you know when you think about this in a rational way, right, you, you realize that it doesn't make sense because when you're just starting out a podcast, nobody is going to be like, wow, this is not like production level quality or something like that. Nobody's going to have those thoughts, right? Like people know that you're just starting out your podcast or so they're going to, mm-hmm. you know, like, of course you want to take some of the basic steps. Like you probably don't want to talk into like your built-in laptop mic. Like mm-hmm. you want to have like some sort of external mic, but you don't need to spend a lot of money. Like 30 bucks can be fine, you know? Yeah. Um, and but But people are expecting you to sort of like, take the put in the level of effort that goes with wherever you are on your journey and it's no point there's no point in pretending to be further along than you are you don't have to be like yeah i had like my my like team and they're like my my <laughs> cameraman and whatever it's like you know it's like people know and and you're more re, more relatable probably exactly. like you were saying if you don't have that anyway like if if you get interrupted in your podcast because there's someone like mowing the lawn you'd be like okay well i guess you know guys i'm like recording this from home you know and people will probably be like oh that's cool <laughs> so. yeah no i i think people like the vulnerability, and I know I do, for people I admire, I love when, like, you know, or even, like, watching SNL, like, watching one of the comedians, like, break character. Like, I love it. Like, I want yeah. to see all the people I admire and follow, like, break character. I want to know that this is not, like, all Wait, this... Wait, are you talking about Stefan, or...? Ah, I love Stefan. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody on SNL, if they break character, I die. It's It makes it even yeah. funnier, and it makes me like them more, you know? And that's just an example, but, like... Like you said, I love to know the people that I follow. Like, I want to know that they're recording this at their dining table. I want to know that they're in their pajamas. I want to know all that stuff. I don't care about, like, the beautiful, polished, like, facade because, like, that's fake. Yeah, no, and and, and people will connect with you. And, and yeah, this is something that, that I often have to tell people, too, is people will not necessarily connect only on what, what it is that you're saying, but they will connect with you as a person, you know? Like, they they want to see the whole of you, sort of your attitude, um, 
your, you know, yeah, your attitude towards sort of like work-life balance, for example, is something people are going to resonate with. Like some people are going to resonate with the Gary Chuck, who's like, hustle, 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 you know, and other people are going to resonate with someone who tries to teach you the exact same things that Gary Vee will, will try and teach you, but in a way that's like, you should go on a lot of vacations, take care of yourself, you know, that's more my style anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's not only about the what that you're saying, but it's also about like the how. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. So how, I, I want to know about your, your, your content creator challenge. Like I, I want to know how doing that for yourself and like working on that every day has transcended into like getting people to do it along with you, like for your challenge. Yeah. So the way that that started is, yeah, people just noticed that I was putting out content consistently and they started asking me questions about it. And um, here's a trick for any uh, people who want to learn how to run their own business. When you get the same question multiple times, create you can probably, <laughs> yeah, create a product or a service. And so in this case, it's a free challenge. Um, and uh, the way that I do it, it's a 30-day challenge called the Creator Challenge. And what I essentially do is it's a series of emails that teach people how to think about creating content. So initially, I aimed it at people who want to build an online business. And then I realized this applies to sort of anybody who creates anything. It doesn't have to be online. Any, any time, and you, you can even apply it to like, you know, learning to play the guitar. But it doesn't matter. The, the idea is that um, I walk people through from zero to, you know, 30 days of creating content. So the first thing is like, you got to pick a platform to publish something on. So for example, if you are want to create blog posts, right, you're going to have some place to blog. Okay. But then I talk to people about like, how do you avoid getting stuck, like setting up your WordPress website, spending six hours looking for a theme and tinkering with your theme and whatever. So rather than doing that, I'll say, okay, if you don't already have a website, go to medium.com and write an article on medium.com. Is medium perfect? No, it isn't. But, you know, if if you, like, have trouble making yourself right, just remove as many barriers as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then from there, we go into, like, okay, which topic should you write about? Well, often a lot of people have discussions all day long with, you know, friends, clients, customers, business acquaintances, family, whatever, about things related to, like, the field that they're in. So, for example, if you're a photographer, you might have a discussion with a fellow photographer and, like, talk about, hey, how do you handle this thing or whatever? Like, which 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 piece of gear do you use for this type of shot, right? And so you're having those conversations with people. So just pay attention to what conversations you're having throughout the day and then recreate one of those conversations in a blog post or in, like, a, in a podcast or whatever, right? Just, you know, once you start paying attention, materials – all around. And so I just I just take them on, you know, sort of from there, I take them all the way to like, all right, now you've created 30 days of stuff, you know, what's next? Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you about that. And I love like the Instagram stories Q&A feature. Like if I ask a question about something and I get like 10 people to ask me a question, then I know that's 10 blog posts I can write as an answer. Yeah. Like your, your content is all around you. It's just figuring out ways to repurpose what is already there. And even what you write, you can repurpose it into, maybe you can break it up into three different Instagram posts from a blog post, or you put it on, um, you make a video and then you can like break that down. And that's like four different podcast episodes that you could, you know, like there's so many ways to like repurpose it. And I think people are so like, oh, well, there's nothing to say. I don't have anything to say. And it's like, you're right. Like there's material all around you. Like, what are you already talking about? Like, did you have a conversation at the water cooler with a coworker for 30 minutes? What was that about? That probably is something that you're passionate about. Go write a blog post about it or write a book about it. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. And then, you know, we have to be a little bit careful with this because I, I would never recommend that people start by writing a book, you know, if they're, if they're <laughs> not, not already. That was like, an extreme example. Yeah. 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 No, I know. Um, yeah. So, so one of the things that I'll also tell people is start small. You know, it's just like you're saying when someone asks you a question in Q and A, you can maybe maybe you'll get ten blog posts out of it, but make them very small and specific blog posts. Like, there's nothing wrong with like a blog post of a couple of hundred words in which you like answer a very specific question, but very well. You know, I I have one blog post on my website that takes probably thirty or forty minutes to read. It's like a big how-to guide on how to use one of my favorite task management apps called OmniFocus, which is great. And like, this is a very you know, it's it's a nice blog post. It, it brings traffic to my website. People thank me for it all the time. Lovely. But you don't have to start there. You know, you can just start with creating small stuff because some of the some of the posts that have gotten the most engagement have, have been like me putting three sentences or whatever. If you want to learn how to do this for blogging, you just got to sign up for Seth Godin's daily posts, which are usually quite short and like very insightful. Um, 
And it's just like you're saying, like you can do an Instagram story or you can shoot like a video on Instagram that's not too long, maybe half a minute or a minute or something like that. And you can teach people something useful. And often, you know, often people don't want to sit down and like read your thing or listen to your thing or whatever for forever, right? They're busy. Uh, the quicker you can teach them something, the better. And it then takes you less time. Yeah, I I agree with that too. And um, that's what I like about like Gary Vee's like podcast. It's not even really a podcast. It's just like his five second blips of him saying something throughout the day. And that's like a whole episode. And that's kind of nice sometimes if I'm driving to like the grocery store and I only have five minutes, like I can put it on, but it's still useful um, versus like right. this hour long thing that I feel like I have to prepare for, which I mean, all my podcast episodes are about an hour so far, but I forget that just because if I feel like I'm running out of guests or content, I can just like quickly record like a 10 minute how to on something and like people are still going to be thankful for that so i always forget that too yeah and nobody's going to come up to you and be like hey why is this only 10 minutes long where's the other 50 minutes you know like nobody's going to do that they're like they're they're going to like find it valuable or they're not going to find it valuable whatever like you don't you don't always have to do the same thing right people are not no you're not obligating anybody to consume every single thing that you create so like they can skip it if they want and and that's that that also is a reason why experimentation is so important, right? The, the people will often tell me, yeah, I've been doing your challenge for five days now, but I'm not really seeing any engagement. It's like, well, first of all, you've been doing this for five days, mm-hmm. so like be a little patient. Second of all, experiment. Like if you're if you've written five short blog posts and that's not working, then shoot a video or like record a podcast episode or like do a Facebook Live or you know do something or yeah like create like a sort of a a very tastefully done photograph and put it on your Instagram like yeah try stuff and see what gets people to to respond. This also depends on your audience, of course, right? right. If you yeah if you're um if you're a photographer, Instagram is probably a good medium to be on and Twitter probably less of a good medium to be on. You know, so exactly. like experiment with that too. Yeah, and I think. I was really impressed that you found my podcast and reached out to me about it. And so I wanted to ask you about like, so you're doing a lot of hustling on your end, finding different platforms for you to, to speak on and to interact with. And so you're experimenting on your end, like being featured on all these different things too. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, are you just like by yourself or do you have someone like working for you to like find things for you or how does that work? Yeah, no, that's really just me thinking about, you know, um, it's part experimentation and also part a little bit of personal development. So I like to get better at speaking, for example. So I was like, well, I mean, being on podcasts is a good way to practice my speaking, right? Mm-hmm. And the same thing with being on Instagram. I share Instagram videos every now and then. And it's just because I want to get better at being on, on video. So it's uh, partly fun. You know, you, you, sometimes you got to know why you're doing something too. Um, it's, of course, when, when you create something and you're using it for marketing, you want it to be valuable to other people. But it's totally fine too to create things just to like push yourself, you know, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so for me, the podcasting thing in particular was because I enjoy listening to podcasts, and I, I think it's a it's a really nice medium to have a longer conversation with people. Um, but also just because it seemed like a fun challenge. Yeah, no, I um, I agree. I love listening to to podcasts, and that's why I wanted to start my own because I feel like you can, I can be more me when I'm just talking yeah. versus trying to type up this thing and translate my tone of voice through it. And, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do that too. Like, I think it's fun to experiment with all the different mediums. Cause if tomorrow Instagram goes away, I have my podcast or tomorrow if Facebook goes away, I have my, my blog. Like, you know, you got to put your eggs in all these different baskets. Yeah. And this is why people got to have an email list, right? I feel like it's like online business rule. Number one is like have an email list and build that email list just in case like Instagram goes away. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think that's something I haven't talked about on this yet, but that's something I always hear and that why I started one too. But people don't realize that like, in, you don't own your content that's on Instagram or Facebook or, or Twitter right. or anything like it's yours, but like it's, if Instagram crashes tomorrow, like, or no one uses it anymore, like, and you had a million followers on there. Like, how are you going to market your services or your products if, like, that all goes away? Like, you need to have something that is yours. So, like, your website, your blog, like, your email list or your podcast or whatever. And I think people are too caught up in trying to get followers and stuff on on Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter. And, like, you don't own that platform. And they can totally – they have the right tomorrow to start saying, like, I'm going to charge you $100 a day if you post. Like, they have the right to do whatever. And you have to kind of have your eggs in another basket in case that goes away. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's not to say that people should not be on Instagram or anything like that. Right. right. It's just, it's just be smart about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, probably, uh, you know, 
you want to have your you don't want to have your eggs in one basket at the same time i would also never recommend that anybody go and post on every single social media network because no, that's no. just totally exhausting as well right so mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like finding a balance and thinking about what's smart so i i realized pretty quickly that like for example on linkedin you'll find a lot of people who are not very happy with their work you know pe- people who are not happy with their work who want a new job or want to start their own business they start hanging out on linkedin right instagram is a very visual thing right and then you've got twitter which is more for like uh, short conversations and and every space has its own as its own thing so depending on what you're creating pick like one or two social media channels and then supplement that with your own website your own podcast your own whatever yeah and i think your content needs to reflect the platform it's on too so you can be posting yeah. the same thing but like he's on linkedin i'm going to be a little bit more professional with the way i word it but if i'm on twitter it might be a little like funny or tongue-in-cheek or if it's on instagram it's going to be like photo based with a caption and if it's on facebook it's going to have a link to accompany it because you can click there so there's all these different ways that you need to like repurpose your content that reflects the audience that's there um, instead of just like posting the same thing everywhere, like spam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, spa- the spammy nature isn't, isn't really nice. Um, yeah. And, and the other thing is just that it, it, you know, where you post obviously depends on your personality. Like you're saying you, you like that your personality comes out on a podcast. And so I, I feel the same way, but there are people who would be, you know, terrified to have to speak on a podcast mm-hmm. or, uh, let, let alone show their face in a video. <laughs> so yeah. for those people, okay, maybe blog posts, it's like more your thing and that, that's totally fine there's nothing wrong with that it's just you know uh experiment a little bit see what feels best and don't listen to anybody who says that you that you should do it this way or like this is the hottest platform you've got to be on this platform like forget all about that just do whatever makes sense given your strengths and weaknesses and interests and a little bit about where your ideal audience is yeah i agree with that um do you find that you have more engagement on certain platforms or methods of content creation or are you kind of just still figuring that out yeah, much more in video. So while if I write, I, I can do a good job at really um, putting my personality in there, mm-hmm. that does take much more work. And since I do it every day now, I, I don't like have the time and energy, um, or rather I should say I don't want to spend the time and energy on like putting my personality in the blog post, um, just because I do it so often. And so I find it much easier, like I'll, I'll often grab my phone and like, the selfie camera at myself and start talking and shoot a video, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And when I do that, uh, people engage more because for some reason they like seeing my face, they like hearing my voice and I can be saying the exact same thing, but like for some reason it resonates more with people and I don't know why, but I'm like rolling with it. I, yeah, I agree. It's always so frustrating sometimes because I'm like, look at this beautiful photograph I made. No one cares. But if I get on Instagram stories like in a hoodie with no makeup, like for some reason everyone wants to respond to my stories. And I'm like, this is not what I'm supposed to be here for. But I'll do that too. Yeah. 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 It, it does depend on sort of who you want to attract, right? So, mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe it gets more engagement that way. Um, but you also want to make sure that you've got the right engagement. So you want to make sure that you're in, so you can get, 5,000 Instagram followers, but if none of those are ever going to be your clients and your goal is to get more clients, then like, that's great. But what are you going to do? Exactly. I I do talk about that with people. Like I know people who have like hundreds of thousands of followers. They live at home with their mom, like, and all these people are just numbers. It's just like to look cool, but they're not paying you anything. Like you're not making, you can have a hundred followers and if they're all paying for your services, then you're going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah, You're golden. Yeah. Do you find that your email marketing, um, gets you a lot more business than like social media? Um, I would say it's mostly word of mouth actually. So definitely I like having an email list so I can communicate with people directly. Um, but it's more past clients saying, Hey, I enjoyed working with Peter. You know, you should totally check him out if you're having this problem. Um, I found Facebook helpful. I kind of use Facebook reluctantly because I don't know if you've been following the news recently, but Facebook is not always the the cleanest company. So I use it reluctantly, but there are a lot of people on there um, who sort of my, who my message resonates with, you know? Um, so I find Facebook helpful and, and word of mouth and yeah, no, I, I do have an email list. I, I everybody should have an email list. If, <laughs> so if you have your own business, um, so I find that helpful, but not, uh, that's not the main driver. Yeah. I, um, reluctantly also use Facebook. I, I hate getting on there, but you kind of have to have it. Like, it's just, there's no way around it in this day and age, I feel, especially if you're trying to own your own business. It's free marketing. You got to be on there. Yeah. It does depend on, you know, if you're like a plumber, then maybe it's not needed, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. it, dep- it just depends on what you want to do. Yeah, I agree. So what advice would you give to someone who is an aspiring creator that is ready to take the step, but not sure how? 
So, well, first of all, obviously, I would tell them to join my creator challenge. Yeah. Um, but uh, second of all, I would say just get started and and do things and create things. Don't don't like don't get stuck in your head. That that's the number one pitfall is getting stuck in your head. Um, realize that you may have lots of thoughts in your head, lots of objections. But just because those thoughts are floating around in your head does not mean they're true. So if you say nobody's going to care about this, that may not be true at all. Or if you if you think, well, this is not good enough, that may not be true. It may, in fact, be good enough for someone. So put stuff out there. Um, worst case, it doesn't get much engagement. And then you try it again or you try it a little bit differently. So start putting stuff out there. Start small. Right. Don't start by writing your novel. Right. <laughs> if you've never written anything else before. Um if you're experimenting with video, like put put out like a one minute video, not like 20 minute video, right? Um, and don't worry if you're searching for your voice, if you're searching for your brand, for your uniqueness in the beginning, that's fine. You're gonna you're gonna figure it out by doing. I agree with all the things you just said. <laughs> Excellent. Um, it's, I always end up saying like on this podcast, like it's like Nike always says, just do it, and it's so true, and it works for everything. Just always think, just do it. <laughs> Yeah, the unfortunate bit is that it's it's very simplistic advice also, right? It's mm-hmm. like um, people are not necessarily going to listen to that. You kind of have to show them how to just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I like the get out of your head part that you said because the worst place to be is in your head sometimes. Oh, definitely. So where can everyone find what you do, what you offer, and how to sign up for your Creator Challenge? Yeah, so that's over at creatorchallenge.com. I would highly encourage anybody who is looking to create more content of whatever type to join it. It's totally free. It's 30 days. Um, People will get guided emails from me where I'll I'll guide them through it. There's also a Slack channel that I'll invite people to where there's a bunch of other people who are in the challenge and talking about their their struggles or their victories. (laughs) So it's a community thing as well. Very cool. And anything else like to hire you for productivity coaching or anything like that? Where can they find you? Oh, yeah. My main business is over at peterakis.net. That's Peter net. Cool. And I will link all these things in the show notes for everybody. Um, but thank you so much for being on the podcast, Peter. Yeah, sweet. No, this was such a fun conversation. Thank you. Hey, y'all, just popping in to give a big thanks to you for tuning into this episode of Do What You Want Radio. As always, if you are enjoying what you're listening to, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and follow if you're on Spotify. I am super active on my Instagram account at Jordan Heffler if you're interested in keeping up with me there. And I also have a weekly email newsletter that you can subscribe to at jordanheffler.com slash subscribe. Every Thursday, I send out a tip of the week along with promotional information about my Do What You Want workshop series, online e-courses that help you learn to create authentically branded content that leverage growth on your social media platforms all by yourself. I also have Lightroom presets, merchandise, and just general information about my life and photography business in these email newsletters. Y'all are so awesome for listening. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep doing what you want. (laughs) Did that sound too fake?